You're about to get insider access to cannabis industry experts, entrepreneurs, activists, and living legends. Meet the people who live and blaze this life every day and are about to change the world. Now your host, the founder of Blazin Bakery, New Jersey's first edibles company with over a decade of national advocacy, sales, connections, and adventures behind her. A true trailblazer in cannabis. This is Trailblazing with Tiramisu. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Trailblazing with Tiramisu, the podcast where we try to put the fun back in cannabis while sharing a little insider wisdom and chatting with some amazing guests. Uh, today, I have from CryoPure, President Greg Bauman and CEO Tracy McAfee. Uh, so CryoPure is really cool. It's a patent pending technology to skip the hanging phase of drawing. So instead, the system cures the cannabis through freeze drawing in as little as 24 hours. Uh, the resulting product is lighter, fluffier, aromatic. You get your terpene and trichome preservation, and the flavor profile is locked in at the height of freshness. So it's a pretty cool technique. Uh, really excited to have him on the podcast today. Guys, welcome very much for Blazing, Tracy and Greg. Hey, guys. Tara, I think, Tara, you need to come work for us. I think you get it like more than... Sometimes I do. That was a great introduction. That was definitely like the best explanation ahead of an interview ever. Yeah. Oh, okay. see, see you guys later. Yeah. <laughs> we just did our job for us. Yeah, no. I, um, I'd like to think I know a thing or two about cannabis, and I, I, I like to talk. It's one of my stronger points. Don't make me write anything for the website. Um, cool. So I first heard about you guys. I was at an event in Jersey, and Stu, a mutual friend of ours, came up to me with a little pot. So I want you to look at this and smell it. And the first thing that popped out was like some neon green bud, which was really cool looking. And uh, unfortunately, I'm not in studio today, so I can't smell it, but I already have. So I know that, um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely different than your normal dried and cured bud. It, it looks like the everything I just said, the preservation there is true. So, um, well, to start off, I guess, first, let's How'd you guys meet? How'd this get started? What are your backgrounds? I think we have a similar background in like products and marketing. Uh, so yeah, we do. That's that's why I think we hit it off so well because uh, yeah. we definitely love marketing and new products and such. And uh, well, Greg and I are partners in business and in love. So we've been okay. together almost eleven years now. Aww. And uh, Greg is a caregiver here in Michigan. Very cool. And um, we moved to Michigan so we could be legal and help patients the way we really wanted to. We knew the need was there. So we moved to Michigan and Greg grows the most beautiful flower I have ever seen, but everybody says that of a grower, but I really think he does. And uh, one day before harvest, I said, you know, you, these flowers are so beautiful. Is there anything that we can do to take it right off the plant and smoke it tomorrow mm. or now and not have it shrink? I hate seeing cured cannabis, especially when you are with it from growing it all the way to the curing. It is nothing like its former self on the plant. For sure. So uh, we just started brainstorming a little bit. I said, could we throw it in our food dehydrator? And he's like, no, that's heat. You know, heat is the enemy to curing. You don't want it's too much heat and then dry it out. And uh, he said, you know, I did read in a book a long time ago that Ed Rosenthal had mentioned in his um, book that freeze-dried cannabis was some of the tastiest, best cannabis he'd ever had. And I said, well, shit, if Ed said that, well, there's got to be something to it. Right. And uh, so we uh, bit the bullet basically and invested in a freeze dryer. 
Um, I'm just going to stop. I assume most of my audience would know who Ed Rosenthal is, but just in case, he's one of the most legendary predominant growers in the space who literally wrote many of the books on cannabis. So if if he gives his stamp of approval, that's a a really good nod for uh, something being worth checking out. So continue. Yeah, no problem. So we invested in a smaller freeze dryer and it didn't quite get it where we wanted it to be. That's one of the ones that people see on the market now, the harvest, right? Um, it's a food freeze dryer and you couldn't quite dial it in, but we knew the potential was there. But to roll it out on a bigger scale and try it in a different way outside of the harvest rate, we had to bite a bigger bullet and invest a lot of money in a commercial size freeze dryer. And I'm like, what if it doesn't really work? I guess I'm going to be hitting the flea markets and selling freeze dried foods. But anyway, Greg worked relentlessly night and day on dialing it into that eureka moment he's almost seven feet tall so to see this guy do a jig was pretty funny um but he dialed it in perfectly we filed for a patent on it pending all over the world right now got our trademark started hitting the road organically you know going up to influencers just no shame at all walked up to danny danko at a cannabis cup tapped him on the shoulder i said mr danko hey i'd like to show you some of this uh cryo cured cannabis and he's like whoa that seems interesting and um, I ride the line of pesky and persistence. So I kind of kept seeing Danny around at different events and kept showing it to him. And finally, the Eureka moment hit where he said, you know, you guys really have locked this in. And he did the greatest thing for us and introduced us to Ed Rosenthal himself. And uh, Ed is now part of our company and his great oh, cool. name. And, uh, but we just really started organically ourselves, getting it out like you saw with Stu, just showing friends, family, patients. And the word is spreading all over the world right now. So a couple trade shows and a lot of great things like your podcast. Thanks again. Um, there's yeah, really good work out there. That's awesome. That's really exciting to hear. Yeah. Uh, my my background. I'm I'm sure I'll tell it one day on this. I haven't yet. But uh, it also involved going over to the High Times booth. And uh, Rick Cusick was Danny was at a lot of shows too. But Rick was the one I used to poke all the time and be like, check out my brownie mix. Check out my brownie mix. Till eventually they reviewed it in the in the magazine, which was great. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's everyone over. You gotta be shameless, awesome. right? You have to be. If you have a new product or an idea, you have to tap those shoulders. You have to pick up the phone. Actually, people do have phones and they do make phone calls. It's not texts, it's not emails. You gotta yeah. show your passion. It's really hard to turn someone down if you see the passion in them and what they've put into it and how excited they are. It's not selling at that point, it's just telling, and people can tell that. You know? Yeah. And it's also education too, because, you know, a lot of times a product like mine or a product like yours, people don't exactly know what it is out the gate. So you have to get in the ears of people sometimes multiple times and explain like, look, this is what it is. This is why it's better. How about X, Y, and Z, you know, taste it, touch it, smell it. Like, and then you prove to people slowly, you recruit them to your your way of life, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't take, you know, you don't have to push people too hard. Can I hold up some cryo care to show you this? Here, let me, let me, oh, here. Yes. When we show people our cryo cured bud in a jar or on the stem like this is, everybody's first response is, I have got to try that. I, I've got to try that. And when they do, yes, it looks great. Yes, we cure it in under 24 hours. Um, but the best part to me is the experience. Um, yeah. I've been self-medicating my whole life nearly, it seems, just microdosing, and it's really made a difference in my life. Cryocured cannabis, I can tell you, is light. Mm. It's sparkly feeling. It's clean and smooth, no cough, no couch lock. 
No munchies. That's my favorite. Can you part. believe that that's outdoor? Yes, that's last plants. harvest. Wow. So you guys preserve the purples. How big of a grow do you guys have? Is it all outdoor? No, we're just uh, we're allowed seventy-two plants. Uh, we're allowed. I have five patients, twelve mm -hmm. plants per patient, and twelve plants for myself. We're allowed to have seventy-two plants total. So what we all we've done is so we keep it steady, so our patients never go without. Uh, we keep it 36, 36. So that every 60 to 90 days, we're pulling down 32 plants. You know, even through a uh, video here, that color is very beautiful. You can this tell is, it. Um, see some CBD, Greg, just yeah. harvested. That's actually some relic seed. Shout out to Professor P. I know he just had surgery recently, but this is some of uh, some of his genetics. It's an incredible CBD strain called uh, Grapefruit Web. Wonderful aroma. I wish this was smell-o-vision, darn it. Yeah, smell-o-vision. <laughs> if we had smell-o-vision, we wouldn't have to tell people about our product. They would just look at it, scratch it, sniff it, and be like, okay, yeah, that's the one. That's so, the one I so, you sell, um, so you don't sell any kind of commercial retail distribution, nothing like that. You just do just uh, the equipment. Just caregivers, yeah. though. Well, yeah, obviously. Just the, the equipment, equipment or freeze-dry machines that we manufacture in Ohio. And uh, another version we manufacture in China with a, one of the world's leading uh, freeze-dry manufacturers in uh, pharmaceutical areas. And um, we, that's all we do is we sell the equipment. Now, we have a demo uh, showroom here in Michigan where we'll do demonstrations for people that have been flying in from all over the world to see with their own eyes. Nobody can really believe it when they see it. They have to yeah. come in. Turn so the, turn, the, turn the computer. Oh, here, I'm gonna that. I'm gonna turn the computer. Show you the yeah. blue bed we're actually, we're actually in our showroom, so. Oh, look there at that. That's the cryocare machine there. And we'll do a demo from cutting it down live all the way through to completion so people can see it with their own eyes and, and get excited about it. How many pounds at a time does that uh, one you just showed me process? That'll do probably close to 30 pounds or, yeah, it's, that one's 30 pounds. It's actually the shelving on it. This was our beta unit. So the okay. shelving is further apart. We don't have as much square footage in the unit. So that one will do 30 pounds of run and that runs every 12 hours. So what's the cost uh, of something you now doing it this way between purchasing the initial machine, the electric and whatever is needed to run it first, your traditional curing methods? Uh, obviously your, your major cost is just to purchase the machine. You know, a lot of people get sticker shock when they see these machines. These machines aren't cheap. They're yeah. made of really expensive components. So, you know, like when you first go start shopping for freeze dryers and you look at smaller units you're like oh okay that's actually really expensive for a in-home house unit well it only goes up from there um we kind of found the perfect margin where everybody else was where all the big manufacturers were at we included our ip and we kind of just customized these machines for cannabis because no one was doing it. Yeah, um, they were thin shelves, so your buds would be squished together when the trays were too close together. So we gave nice deep shelves for trim and big buds, and uh, a lot of it's in, in, in the in the presettings. You know, a lot of where our value comes in is the research that we've already done. This process, like she said, using a food freeze dryer is not going to work. It's going to over dry it, pull a lot of the flavor out, make it burn funny. It'll look beautiful, you know, yeah. you, you know, we could fool you with the pictures, but you know, 
in the end, when it came down to the smokeability and the final effect, it just wasn't there using the food freeze dryer. You couldn't smell it at all. It took out all the turbines. Right. And so, like you said, what we figured out by using this equipment is a 12-hour process to skip a one to ten, a one-week to ten-day process of hanging without having any shrinkage of the flour. So um, as far as making your money back, is that kind of what it is because you could produce volume more quickly or Absolutely. is it, are, are you also charging more for the flour to the consumer? Absolutely. Well, there, are you obviously for, for a time being, while, you know, there is not too many people doing this, not too many people have this machinery right now. So mm-hmm. obviously the people who get the machines and this, this tech, technology first are going to be the ones to benefit up from it because obviously supply and demand, you know, there's not too much of it and there's a big demand. You be able to raise the price of it that will help but a lot of it comes down to when you look at these large cultivations the amount of money they spend to control temperatures and humidity in these giant rooms especially in the summertime or in the humid areas or humid areas in the united states the expense it's it's incredibly expensive and the real estate yeah the real estate yeah absolutely yeah. i mean you just our you friends can't in boston am- attest to that yeah you, <laughs> you can't imagine how much real estate you need to dry it down you need almost as much room as you do to grow it as to dry it properly so okay yeah so um so there's savings in multiple areas it's not just in uh in time that you're saving right, those literal right 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 okay. and then if you use it and then if you use it as a tool um in places which are vertically integrated that have their own processing on location i mean this started out as a, an extraction tool so there's so many different areas on the back end of processing that this will benefit you as to removing the moisture before extraction which will increase your yields in your extraction as well as you know, a lot of these, a lot of hemp farmers don't realize, and I preach this to everyone that I talk to that grows hemp, those cannabinoids are not the most valuable part of your hemp. The terpenes that are on that cannabis hemp is the most valuable part, you know, uh, in a market where everyone is flavoring their oils to try to be into a, let's say, an entourage effect. They pay big dollars for these uh, cannabis-derived terpenes. Yeah. Whether they're derived from hemp or whether they're derived from indoor flour in California, it doesn't really matter. They taste the same. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not something you can look at. So, you know, at 50 to $70 a milliliter and being able to pull off a large amount before you extract it via ethanol, yeah. it's, a, it's a game changer. It's you just, you it, can it, pay off your machine just in your terpene extraction. And that's a setting yeah. on machine. You have your smokable flour setting, which retains your terpenes. Yeah. And then we have a setting that'll remove all of the terpenes so, and collect oh. those. So there's multiple settings depending so wait, on. So you're saying as opposed to a traditional extraction where you would maybe do a terpene run um, and then yeah. do a secondary run, you could remove the terpenes with the cryo machine and not yes. have to do that in your extraction equipment. That's correct. Right. And, and ah, you'll that's get, very cool. And you'll get more monoterpenes. You see, most of your traditional terpene runs, um, like through CO2 machines or if you're just doing one through – you know, crude oil through a short path. There's no real easy way to extract terpenes at the moment. This is one of the easiest ways while you dry your can. So, and it does it while you dry your cannabis. So um, most of these guys that do, like when I say the hemp extraction, this benefits the hemp 
harvester more because they're the ones that are most likely going to take all of that and put it in ethanol. And once you put it in ethanol for extraction of the flour, you basically lose the terpene or they're not going yeah. back trying to refine that terpene out of there. So this is well, just... Yeah, that's the problem with ethanol is the polarity. It's a little too good at what it does. So it just kind of sucks mm -hmm. everything out. But um, so and then now if you were to remove the terpenes on the first pass, uh, would that product that was left be good for extraction for an edible that maybe where you don't want flavors? So you've already had it removed. That's exactly what it's for. Yes. That's exactly what it's for. Or it's also those terpenes are for edibles, you know, yeah. like, uh, for instance, Mary Palmer, shout out to Steny and Lenny Day. They use <laughs> cannabis-derived terpenes in their drinks. They do. Yeah. So, or lemonade iced tea. Yeah, and you could. That's part of the beauty of the way it tastes. You could taste the, the terpenes in that. Sure. And something like a iced tea, if you have limonene, obviously lemon iced tea. You know, and I, I talk about that on some cooking things I've done, where you're actually pairing profiles, and there's chefs who do amazing things with that. You know, multiple yeah. course meals and, and wine pairings because wines have terpenes in them. So I, I, I love that side of it. That's where I can kind of nerd out is the extraction side. I, I, my knowledge on growing is pretty limited. But um, so one thing you said to me that I thought was interesting is that it gets rid of degradation to uh, your Delta 9, to your CBN, and avoids the uh, couch lock. But so in a patient that maybe uh, is, you know, terminal, uh, someone who is looking for that kind of, I know it's more than just indica sativa, you have the whole entourage effect, but that heavy type of indica couch lock. So is this product not good for that then? And then would you want a more traditional method? Oh, and that's not necessarily true. Okay. Um, what, you know, we're all different. So like the whole indica hybrid sativa thing, I know. Okay. We, we, you know, we, can, we, like, can have, we can have a whole nother yeah. episode just talking about that. For um, sure. And I probably will at some point. But I just, what I mean is the stereotypical, like there's these guys who used to sell a shop uh, at shows I went to called Couch Lock and it had like mangosteen. You know, so for the people who want that kind of heavy, heavy, what would t traditionally be called an indica feel. Let's just go you with know that. What I, love? I, I, this is, I love to tell this to people and people are blown away by this. Okay. You okay. like indica, well, take your sack, put it in your glove box <laughs> on a 93 day in your car, and, and you'll have, there's your indica, okay? That's easy. It, indica is the easiest. If you want that down effect, that's one of the easiest effects to get out of any right. cannabis. Because once it's heated, it turns to CBN or Delta 9, which are degraded forms of THCA, and yes, that, yes. there goes your couch lap. But as for like the sativa, the up feeling, that's all related to terpene. That has absolutely nothing to do with the cannabinoids. And, and a lot of it, Greg, can you can explain it better. There's terpenes that we've preserved that we didn't even know we had on our traditional mm -hmm. cure. Yeah. Um, and because a lot of those burn off naturally when you air hang. There's, yeah, the, those, the, what you smell when you walk into a dry room are monoterpenes. They're a lot lighter than your regular terpenes that you and I are talking about, like the lemonine and those yeah. ones that are very strong that stick out that will always be there present. But there's like really crazy monoterpenes that boil off at very light temperatures. So when you're taking the plant and putting it straight into the machine for terpene extraction, you're getting those monoterpenes that you normally wouldn't have in any other terpene extraction, which gives you more of a unique terpene profile. 
Same way as when it's drying and those terpenes are trapped in the flower. It gives you different expressions of the flower that you normally wouldn't see. So let's say if uh, you really like Jedi, Kush, Skywalker, or whatever, one of those Star Wars strains or anything, <laughs> you know, that you're going to taste something different in that flower that you never taste before. Whether you like it, whether you don't, I, you know, I've who never knows? met any I didn't like. Yeah, there's going to be there's going to be a lot more flavor profile present in these flowers. So I, I don't I don't know if this parallels it just popped in my head. So if you got like an apple, have you had like dehydrated apples and freeze dried apples? They're yes. two yeah. entirely different products. One has a lot more moisture, but neither of them taste exactly the same as a fresh apple. So they've both lost something in the process. Like I think we're used to what a typical, uh, you know, dehydrated cannabis flower uh, taste smells like. What is there any kind of loss or change from, like it, it has to change in some way. So what changes differently? You said you don't lose cannabinoids. Well, okay. It doesn't, the reason, it, it doesn't change for the simple fact that if the cellular structure doesn't shrink, if there's no degradation, there's no shrinking down, you're not having, um, let's say, that normal reaction of the breakdown of chlorophyll and the sugars onto the surface of the plant, so you're not experiencing the decay in the flower. So there's more of what we like to call like a live resin. Flower. Okay. Explained live resin flower for cryocare. That's what he loves to call it. Too. It's, okay. And that's what if anybody who understands um, extractions and the difference between shatter yeah. and live resin. Yeah, yeah. So for for an extraction artist, this would be something amazing to work with because they would basically have an artist with more colors on their palette. Absolutely, you have, you have way more ways to refine it. You're going to get, uh, uh, for instance, for people who make ice water hash, mm -hmm. you know. Especially Frenchie Cannoli was one of the one who brought this up to us. That when you look at the flower for harvesting of hash, you're predicting what that trichrome is going. The trichrome is going to be like in a week from now. So once the plant, it might be best way to say, it, might be eighty percent milky, twenty percent red, and you want it to be you know, all the way a little bit red, depending upon the effect that you're looking for. So this just takes the guessing out of that. Whatever you look on the plant and you see, that's what you're going to get gland-wise. So you're not going to have any degradation or shrinking of that trichome head. You will have more consistent, even quality on your pool. So for instance, so when you're at your 90 to 140, you're going to get more consistent and not as much fall through on your bags mm -hmm. because the heads are still perfectly intact. So how that, does how is this relate to volume and weight for someone purchasing, say, an eighth or a quarter? Are they getting more product, less, the same? Well, well, it's, it, well it's, it's going to appear more. It's going it's going to appear more to the customer because it didn't shrink. Okay. Now, if it would have shrunk, it would have been the same amount of flour because our target, we target a final moisture content of 8 to 12% moisture content. That's kind of like our area where we want to be at. Um, so like a one gram pre-roll, you know what a one gram pre-roll looks like from a dispensary. Well, ours look like cigars at one gram. I mean, <laughs> That's they roll a lot bigger. Um, it's visually bigger. It breaks up really nice too. You don't need a grinder per se. 
you can use one, but you don't really need one. And uh, it's just a, a lot different than a traditional cure in a lot of different ways. So if you were to be a, an, unscrupular, an unscrupulous retailer, you could potentially roll something smaller, say it's one gram, and fool people. Oh, yeah, but most of the people that we're working with that get it, we're getting that. ready to launch this at dispensaries, they're using it to set them apart. And of not, course, of course, you know, yeah. Bigger pre-rolls, you know, it's all, again, in the visual and the visual appeal, for sure. So, are there any extractors who are doing this to set themselves apart in the sense that if you had said, you know, made with cryogenically frozen or cryocure cannabis, that is that something they would want to advertise to set themselves apart or is that something they would hold back to kind of be like that's our secret sauce we don't want to tell people there are people using this kind of technology for their rosin and their back end mm -hmm. a lot of people that are using it for their dry sift so yeah they, they they're are using the small harvest rates mostly and like a lot of them in line um and some are using larger food grade ones but not that many that we know of so far but we encourage people to say that it's cryocured because we're putting a lot into building the brand. It's yeah. not freeze-dried cannabis. So we don't want people to think if it went through our machine, it's just freeze-dried. It's been cryocured. Yeah. Uh, we take it so serious that with the people we train to run our machine, we call them cryocurators because they take a sense of pride in running that machine at the facility. They're super excited about it. They feel really unique in the fact that their facility, they're the man or woman that gets to be in charge of that machine. And it's just a, like, um, like Intel inside, I guess you could say, you know, it's, it, you don't just buy a computer and, and not look for the Intel inside. You might not know exactly what it is, but when you see it has Intel inside, you know, it's good. And that's what we hope to achieve with uh, CryoCure. So consumers know that there's a consistency. So if you buy um, some cannabis in one state and you go to the other and you see our certified CryoCure symbol on there, well, then you know, it's going to be great quality. So you said it's not freeze dried. So I, you guys told me this cool story about opening and closing the freezer. I'd love if you tell that, but, um, and you know, just the, the DIY spirit behind it, which is a lot of what myself and Blaze and Baker and a lot of people in this space, how they start out is they have an idea. It comes organically from some kind of story like that. And then they just put in the, you know, the sweat and the, the time to figure it out. And then you bring I saw on your website, you have, um, a vapor chemist, which I thought was a pretty cool title, but I love the, the, yes. the cryo curator. That's all pretty awesome. But if you could just tell me like the origin story to how you got where you are and how it's different than freeze drying. Love to. Right. Just like she said, we started out with a food grade freeze dryer, putting it in there. We ruined a lot of cannabis to figure out that, okay, this isn't going to work. You know, stepping it up to more of a scientific grade, we were able to get close. However, the unit that we were working with just wasn't efficient, let's say, you know, to, to be able to do four ounces. It did four ounces, okay, and it got close to where we needed, but was this going to work at scale? No, this well, you know, I, we have to find that out. So, like Tracy said, biting the bullet, we got a bigger unit. We were able to load it up with quite a bit of material, ran a couple runs, got even closer. You know, we've, we've ruined a lot of cannabis, oh, trust me. It was painful. It, it, was a, it was a very painful process. You know, you know, we put bad taste in some people's mouths ahead of time just because, you know, like, oh, here, try this. The and guinea pigs. The guinea pigs. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, man, oh, no, no, that's like, no. <laughs> 
everybody. I don't know. This isn't cool. I was like, well, all right. You know, so just knowing what I know from just doing extractions, knowing the temperature and tolerances of the plant, and being familiar with the plant, kind of basing it around that knowledge, doing some research on the extraction of chlorophyll, uh, just came up with the took a couple different shots and got real close to where we are now. And, you know, it's been a process dialing it in, but we've got it pretty much dialed in to where you can put any strain in at the same time and have a differentiation of about one to 2% moisture content with the Perfect. flower. Yeah. And then it's mostly um, what Greg dialed in was time, temperature, and pressure. That's, mm -hmm. that's pretty much what it came down to. Just the right combos on all those three areas what gave them that moment yeah it's definitely a tricky thing you know you to be able to preserve the terpenes in the flower and to be able to preserve the shape and the size of the trichome head those are two completely different animals so they have to work pretty much side by side with along with each other while the process is yeah it's on. negative pressure in that chamber it's like outer space it's <laughs> volatile it's, it's like it's nothing in there you know so it's a uh, he really did a great job getting that dialed in. And uh, if you look at our, we're very happy about this, but a lot of uh, feedback we're getting on our Instagram account has been really super positive. And almost to where if someone comes on and says, ah, no way, that's got to taste like shit. <laughs> our fans come in and rush in and protect well, us now. Right. And we love that. Thank it's, you. What's, what's um, amazing is that there, there are a lot of snake oil people. Yes. In this business, there's a lot of people that just have an idea, put it together, and don't test it, and then just run right out there to sell yeah. it. Well, we didn't just come out here. We went to people like Danny Danko, Ed Rosenthal, Rick, Rick Naya. Naya. Yeah. We went to these people first and asked them what they thought. When they were just blown away, we we're like, okay. At this point, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. I've already, you know, yeah. we've what we wanted, you know, that, that, that was the approval. Those people, their opinions matter the most to me. So, you know, of course there'll be somebody, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like change. And I think that sometimes that scares people or creates a, a hate or a fear of something, but there's nothing to be afraid of. This is just what we're trying to do is create better quality smoke for consumers, for people. I mean, even the grower deserves, if you grow beautiful flower, you deserve to have people see your flower or consume your medicine. At its best. At its for best. For some, it, it makes me look like I want to eat it. Like it's either like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I want to eat it so bad. You should, you should smell just the zone right here. It's like a yeah. dust in That's my face. That's why it's face. in front of her. I think oh. I'd already consumed Yeah, it. we'd already be able to roll it and get it yeah. ready. It looks really cool. But um, I am looking forward to inviting with you someday on it. I think you'd really enjoy it, Tara. Well, you did try a little bit of, of what Stu had, but maybe. Well, I, I only got to smell it. We were in the middle of a show, so. But um, but it did smell good. I will say that. But uh, yeah, so you guys are out in Michigan. Do you travel around doing shows a lot, kind of on the cannabis Not circuit? Not many. Or? Uh, just a couple that we've done so far. Right now, the word of mouth is keeping us pretty busy. Right now, uh, one of our biggest concerns is, dancing at too many weddings with one backside. You know, we've got a lot of interest uh, from a lot of companies worldwide, and we just want to make sure we keep up with the production in a way that we don't let anybody down. So right now, oh, we're cool. busy for quite a while. So how many states are you in? Do you know? 
Well, we'll be going into 10 to 12 and within the next couple of months. Fabulous. And, and Michigan. We love on the East Coast, though. We love the East Coast. Our friends yeah. out in Boston and New York, Jersey. Um, we do the Harvest Cup out there. That was our first show we ever debuted at. And oh, very cool. That's where we met Stu. And that's yes. where we met a lot of the people that we still are in communication with, you know. And uh, we hopefully, once this virus thing all passes and the show <laughs> gets back yeah. up, there are definitely shows that we do go to. Um, Generally, it's just to visit, you know, just to just to display. It's kind of a waste of our time because, mm-hmm. you know, literally, you know, people that important people have heard about us and they they, they know about us and they know where to find us. Very That's, cool. And I I think you could also perhaps maybe doing well in the East Coast market because it's a little bit different of environment here because so many of our licenses are limited. You know, we have a much smaller patient population, less adult use, less uh, dispensaries. So I think the people who have it that, I mean, we charge a lot more for it out here, unfortunately. So you do have the ability to do some different things and they're trying to make names for themselves early because we're still very much planning flags where in places like California and Colorado, Oregon, you see such a saturation in the market. A lot of times at this point, it's a race to the bottom. So they really can't be adding additional production costs, which is unfortunate because then obviously quality suffers. But um, I, I mean, do you think that plays into any reasoning why the East Coast could be? Well, no, because I told Greg when we started, I said, you know, I'm going to be a little worried about the West Coast. And I don't want to use the word snobby because that's not quite it. But they've been at it a really long time and they're very set in their ways and they've got deep connections within their own communities. And we're like, it's going to be tough market to break into. After the East Coast, the West Coast is just as loving right now. Uh, that's going to be where a lot of our machines will be. Our bigger machines will be heading out to California, Colorado. They open them, their arms up to what we're doing with no problem at all. I'd like to think it's probably, though, because Ed introduced us to a lot of uh, those people. So, but uh, because of that, they embrace us very well, and they're really loving CryoCure as well. That's awesome. I um, Yeah, I mean, if you could get into those markets, they have... I mean, just for some statistics, the state of New Jersey has a population of 9 million people, and we have seven dispensaries. Oh. And yeah, yeah. It's a really bad ratio. Oh. And then um, Colorado. Like that sounds like what Ohio was trying to do. Yeah. Ohio was trying to do 12, but they didn't, you know. Yeah. No, but they're still kind of a monopoly because it's still so limited. I think it was at yeah. like 14. 40- 16 licenses. It'll change. It's Hang the, in there, everybody. It'll change. I never I thought know. I'd be sitting here with meat in front of me. I had a great time with you, uh, you know, during a pandemic. I, mean, I you know, just, right? Yeah. I, I hope people listening to this in the future are having a lot better day than I'm sure we are. I haven't seen sunlight except to my mailbox in about three weeks. So uh, I know. It's so strange. Yeah. But I, I like, I like, you know, I kind of like it in a sense that my to-do list is there and I'm checking it off a little bit every day, but I'm not trying to get it done too fast because my fear is running out of stuff to do. So yeah, <laughs> I have no fear of that. I, I can't, I've realized I will never have enough time because if I don't have enough time during the apocalypse, it's just not going to happen. That's but, a good um, way to <laughs> but I think it's because I'll fill my time like I was doing only in studio podcasts because I just love the energy of seeing across from you, like looking, smelling, touching your plant, looking you in the eye. But when you can't have that, I said, well, this does open up a much broader audience. So in a way, it's like kind of gifted me with now I'm talking to people 
all over America. And, uh, you know, uh, Michigan's such an interesting place to me because your medical program, along with California, was one of the first to jump into the hundred thousands of the pa patient population, yes. you know, light years before other people. It's why they had cups out there. And, um, yeah, so you were so poised to have a vibrant adult use market where someone like Jersey, who has a very small uh, medical market, it's going to be a shock to the system when it comes. So I, I think Michigan's an example of someplace that is kind of lying under the radar. They don't get as much attention as, you know, Colorado, California, but you guys are doing good stuff out there. So, you know, it's a really, it seems to be a really good program. We just, uh, they started licensing uh, micro uh, dispensaries and grows. They seem to have opened it up a lot more to regular people. And of course, everyone in Michigan is allowed 12 plants to grow. Mm -hmm. So it's just, and the, the state hasn't fallen apart. There's not chaos <laughs> everywhere. There's not, it's not like a hash bash every day. It's no. wonderful. Everybody just is responsible. Um, everyone seems to follow the regulations. It's just, it's not chaotic here at all. We're very blessed. Heck, the day they, the day they uh, legalized hemp, I think uh, we drove down the road and saw some guy, he, he, he didn't hesitate. He had like 24 hemp plants in his That's awesome. Yeah, but I mean, the, the truth of the matter is I don't care how good or poorly your state implements any level of legalization, that just doesn't happen where there's just stoner zombies roaming the streets with bongs and no. it just doesn't happen. This fear is so unfounded that it's going to change your neighborhood, your state, anything. All it does is it takes the people who are already doing it and it doesn't make them criminals anymore. And it right. creates a new thriving industry, puts new tax money into the state. You see improvements, oh. roads and schools, like nothing. Opioid use goes down, underage use goes down, crime goes down. Everyone's idea of what is going to be, it's almost the opposite, no matter how you implement. But, That's agree. right. I agree. I can yeah. see you as a good advocate. <laughs> I try. Change my mind. <laughs> well, I, I'm afraid I'm preaching to the choir, but hopefully, oh, I, well, hopefully, I. I you know, anybody that does the advocacy thing, I admire so much. You know, yeah. people like you, and especially our dear friend Rick Naya, who are on the front lines publicly talking about cannabis and why it should be legal and its benefits. I, I still carry a little bit of that shame blanket around because I didn't have the luxury of sharing my love of the plant with people that I worked with or the field I was in. So the fact that you guys do that so shamelessly, it's, I think it's wonderful. I really ah, appreciate thank it. Thank you. That means a lot. It's, um, it's a lot easier than it used to be. I could tell you I've definitely, I've been escorted out of banks. I've lost jobs. I've you know, I've made my mother cry when she thought I was going to go to jail. I know. So, you know, it's, um, but now, now you have respect and admiration and people ask you questions and care about what you say. So that's a relatively new phenomenon for me in the past couple of years. So it's Everybody pretty has questions and it's so great to be able to talk about it. Yeah. If we ever get to go to a cocktail party again, we used to be the most popular people mm -hmm. at a cocktail party, but I wouldn't know what You'll that's like. You'll have to like. shut me up. I just have to tell myself. I have to pull myself up. Yes. I'm like, you're talking too much. Shut yeah. Up. There's um there's a point where I sometimes will lie and just say I'm a graphic designer if I'm all cannabis out for a day or I'm like I can't talk I can't I can't talk about it anymore yeah. <laughs> but rarely yeah. rarely normally I use any platform I can get to try to change minds and affect change but um cool so let's see I I, I took some notes what else did we uh 
on top. So, oh, um, you know, with Terry's show, people want to know how long it lasts, you know, because freeze-dried foods and such have a reputation for lasting a long time. Yeah. We have here a strain or a cultivar that Greg created called Dirty Dreads. Yeah. And it is, uh, this was bottled up uh, of 2018 in November. Let's see if you can see that. Is that killing you with the light? Wow. Yeah. This is so. This is well over a year old. Very and it's I'm, I'm gonna pretend to stick my nose in the jar. Hold on. There you go. <laughs> so no, it's very cool. See, it really preserves it great too. I had that sitting there. I wanted to make sure everybody got to see too, because that's a big common question: was how long does it last? You know. So a long. Time. It lasts a lot longer than it. it if it's if it takes too long to smoke it, you got too much cannabis. <laughs> Uh, I don't know anybody that's lasted. We save it for a year just because for people research. want to know. But it's like, wait, no way. Well, no that way. you know that that plays into um, I because of our limited patient population, I have heard of dispensaries or well, here we're vertically integrated, so but them producing flour and then not being able to sell it because uh, there's backups at the lab. We only have police labs for testing. And by the time it gets to the public, it's already degraded and they end up throwing product away. Um, yeah. So I assume something like that, having a more stable shelf life, which with products like edibles, you get, you could have a year, two year shelf life with the correct, even natural preservatives. So that's pretty exciting. And also things like mold and other things that happen in traditional processes, you probably avoid, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely a great mold uh, mitigation. If there's mold or um, bud rot going on, you put it in the freeze dryer. If, and here's the beautiful thing. We, I actually just got a text from a friend. Um, oh, that's what the text was. Yeah, he had some, he had a, he's a tent, he grows in tents and one of his fans went out and he got some powdery mildew. So he's like, hey, I don't know if you want to do this. Or if you want me to bring this over to your place? I'm like, listen, freeze it, bring it over. I need a test. We need to test and see what happens, what this does for microbial. Well, it was covered with powdery mildew. It passed the microbial. Wow. It passed. But it failed the visual inspection. So, because he still had the residue, the residue was still on it. Now, if that would have been dipped in like um, hydrogen peroxide solution ahead of time, and then oh. we would have, if, if, yeah, we would have dipped it in the hydrogen peroxide solution and then brought it here and then did it in the machine, it would have passed. It would have been, he would have been able to salvage his product and have clean material for a consumer. Interesting. But it Yep. That's crazy. We were just talking about that. Huh. Oh. Very interesting. And but is there any harm to doing that to uh, yeah. basically patch up a pro a problemed plant? No. 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 Or not if at all. you don't put it in the hydrogen peroxide, a lot of times it's spotty, so you can cut that area out so you don't see it anymore. Well, that's well, that's for instance, uh, blood rot. Blood rot continues to spread at, after you take the plant down. It will continue to spread. But if it's done in the cryo cure, it will stop it in its tracks and you can just cut the rotted spot out of the flower. Um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you think of like, hey, you guys like apple producers, they get an apple that's not even the right shape. It just gets thrown away, right? Yeah. Well, you know, these guys nowadays, you'd think that that would be the case. Okay, you get a little mildew, so you just throw it away. Well, you know, they have a lot of money. They, you know, yeah. these guys. 
printing money. You they know, calculate it. They throw away. One of our clients like said they throw, uh, like, yeah, like millions of dollars it adds up to. You know, wow. you throw this one away, this one, or this one away, or this crop away, this crop away because it's infected. There's a safe way. Up. There's a safe way to mitigate. You know, I mean, obviously, if you're not using pesticides, pesticides is what I would say is that's where I would draw the line. But um, microbial stuff that happens. You know, yeah. they, they, it happens. I mean, honestly, if you're traditionally curing and you're not doing it right and there's somebody who doesn't you know forgets to empty the dehumidifier or, you know or a fan goes out and he doesn't catch it well that cannabis might fail microbials so mm -hmm. you know there's there's plenty of instances where you know you could do a great job for 18 weeks and this that last week of hanging or drying could ruin that 18 weeks worth of work no. all in the last week so you know having a machine like this and being able to put out consistency and be able to actually speed up your process and streamline your back-end process take the guesswork out of it is very valuable awesome very cool that's uh that's awesome so i'm gonna usually i prep a question where you have you can either answer the first time you smoked weed or I pick a different first time and I make you fess up to that as the other. But I, I have a feeling you guys won't have a problem with the first question, which is good because I forgot to think of the second one. <laughs> so I was, got four, I was four years old, <laughs> I was right around the corner from the projects. So. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that would have been one of the best ones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was uh, actually the first time I had ever smoked cannabis, I was working at a haunted house when I was. 15 years old and my buddy had snuck some in and we kind of in between like the rotations we ended up smoking and that was pretty hysterical you know people say they don't get high the first time i got high <laughs> that is all right you're speaking to my other passion which is horror i'm a huge horror nerd um so i i've worked haunted experiences as well uh i've emceed 72 shows one october so um i absolutely love that what were you doing in the haunted house Shoot, my aunt owned, she owned the haunted house and haunted hayride. So we got, I, I did like everything. My favorite, I was a, what they called was a raker. So it was like, so if you, the whole idea was you're on a hayride, you're looking at the opposite side. You're looking at the scene, whatever the scene was you're driving by. And I'm dressed in all black with a milk jug full of rocks. And I come across <laughs> the other side, scream, make you jump. That, that was my job. So I had the best job. I actually got the most scares out of anybody. So. That's fat. That's kind of the same thing. The guy with the chainsaw with no thingy on it, whatever. The, yeah, yeah, the yeah. 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 That's but awesome. Surprised how loud a milk jug and some rocks could and make people jump. Sure. So, so then were you high for the rest of the haunted experience? Uh, or yeah, I actually that, got yeah. my foot run over by the tracker. <laughs> oh. My foot got stuck in the mud and I couldn't move it quick enough and my foot got run over by the tracker. You probably didn't feel it then. Yeah, I didn't feel it. Well, it's not, no, not known for great reaction time, but you probably felt it less. So maybe it's a zero net. I, I think I, I, I was like, oh no, it's getting run over. Oh my God, it's going to be broken up. I didn't feel anything. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So Tracy, your turn. Let's uh, oh, my turn. tell the tale. All right. So the question was, when was the first time I imbibed, right? Yes. Okay. The first time I imbibed was in high school with my best friend, uh, should I say his name? It's killing no. me. Okay, my best friend is a guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It's what? 
Snitches get stitches. Snitches get stitches. Oh. <laughs> so I won't say his name because he's not as open about it as I am. But um, anybody that knows me can probably figure out who it was. But we had a great summer. Uh, it was my first time in vibing. But I didn't really get like super high. What I did feel was that I felt different in a better sense. And uh, noticed that I just was medicating after that on a small scale, like microdosing, just to feel good and normal, not super high. I don't think I could ever say that I've been like what Greg likes to describe as high school high. Like, no. uh, I've never really achieved that feeling. I think uh, part of me has always been ready for cannabis to medicate with and just make me feel my normal and my even. Wow. So, I'm not a big, no, with all due respect, I'm not a big edibles person. Edibles don't agree with me too well. I get hangovers from them and fall asleep pretty quick. So, but uh, I love the taste. I love the taste of cannabis without a doubt. That's cool. That was going to be my follow-up question is for someone who says like, oh, I've never been high school high from cannabis. I'm going to be like, everyone has an edible story where you just, it, you know, you ate one, nothing happened. You ate a second and it sideswiped you and you woke up two days later and, you know. I almost fall asleep and it's That's the same feeling. thing as me is I just, I have a buddy who makes them like super strong and I ate one one day. I fell asleep. And then when I woke up, it was like coming out of surgery. Yeah. You know that feeling? Like, <laughs> you can't move. You feel like you're like glued to the couch. Yeah, that's yeah. not what I was looking for. So I just tend to stay away from edibles. See, so this this is what I, I hate the people who, and I, I obviously home dosing if it's homemade is very hard. So I, I, I don't blame the home chef, but the people who, you know, purposefully try to like, kill people with their oh, edibles yeah. you know the problem is every time someone has a bad experience i lose a potential customer because people say oh my god edibles i saw the face of the devil you know so um <laughs> what i mean that's why dosing and labeling and start low and go slow are so important because it could really be almost like how you're talking about micro dosing like just a very small background like oh my kitchen light sparkled a little you know, life seems a little less gray today. You know, yeah. it could just, um, it, it can be that, but it has to be dosed properly. And uh, I, I do encourage them to give you another chance if you're, you know, from a good, oh, it a good regulated bit. source. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you should come to Michigan and play in our kitchen here with the with our cryocare machine. Maybe we could do some oh. stuff together. Cryo I would love that. Down that road yet with our machine. We're so busy with flour and processing and such that I've not done the uh, medicals route yet. So maybe you can come play in our kitchen. Dude, that would be awesome. Where are you guys in Michigan? What town? Oh, the lower part. Oh yeah, Greg, I'll show you on the globe. Oh, this oh. here, look. <laughs> lower there. part. Okay. We learned that uh, five years ago when we started, we came up here, what part are you guys, where you guys live at? People would just hold up their hand and be like, yeah. And I live there. Oh, oh. That's too far, too far away. I, uh, I, I'm exit nine. That's what we do in Jersey. What exit? <laughs> so I, I can't wait to show you one of the food items we did try, uh, is gummy bears freeze dried. What a trip those Ooh. are. They turn out like crunchy Cheetos when you freeze dry them and they're not slimy or gooey. So there's shelf life on them is incredible and they poof up and they get crunchy. And when you bite it, it crunches, but then it turns back into a gummy bear in your mouth. What? So delicious. So I definitely want to make some of those with you when you come visit. Oh my God. I have to try that. All right. I've never, I've not been to Michigan. I, I haven't been to all 50 States and that's one of the ones that's still on my to-do list. So freeze guide, dr freeze dried gummy bears may have just got me there. That sounds yeah, awesome. Or we can try some freeze dried ice cream dipped in medicated chocolate too. 
Is that like the astronaut ice cream you used to get at the it museums in, in elementary school? I used to love yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Okay. There's just so many things you can do in it. It's like unlimited food-wise, herbs, fruits, vegetables, sweet, salty, savory. I mean, you name it, it can be put in a freeze dryer. Someone said you could even do milk, right? You, you could do your dead animal, too. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> bring your dead animal. Yes, you didn't use them well, in bring taxidermy. Them, bring your pet down. No. It only takes a year. <laughs> it only takes a year to freeze dry your animal. I have a little three pound chihuahua. There'd hardly be any meat on him. It would be so sad. I know. <laughs> he fit though very easily. Right, uh, right on the shelf. It's so weird. Why? It's so weird. People do it. So they really, they, they really do freeze dry their. Oh, after they die and they like mount yeah. it like. I have a buddy who had a pet, uh, pet monkey that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Freeze dried. the monkey. It's in the glass box. Like in, in its room. typical pose. It's creepy. I've seen freeze dried pets. It's just nothing short of just creepy. That's it. So, how is that different than taxidermy? The... It is. Same thing. It's a form of, it's taxidermy. A form of taxidermy. Oh, they're freeze dried? Oh. Well, not all taxidermy. No. I'm not a taxidermy professional. This is definitely not what I do, but yeah. It's a form of taxidermy. It's a form of it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I'd rather. Can things that are freeze dried shatter? Because like when people like what's the the baseball player who had his head cryogenically frozen? It was. Yeah, didn't his head crack because it was frozen? Oh no, I didn't hear that one. I did. I think his children were fighting over who had like custody, not custody, but like they inherited. Yeah, that it split. So maybe they both own half now. I know Walt Disney. I know Walt Disney. Him too. But I, I, I honestly, I'm not. I'm not ruling out being frozen though, because I think it'd be pretty cool to be like reanimated Futurama style and put on a droid body. I don't know. Tracy, don't worry. Tracy don't, says once she's gone, she's you. gone. No, they'll, she's clone, the they'll be cloned. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, how do we miss so badly? I don't know. I love it though. It, it can't just all be cannabis all the time. You gotta talk about frozen puppies sometime. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, what tell, find? Tell people where they could find you, where they could get your machines, find you on social, all that good stuff. Uh, our website is cryocurecannabis.com. No, no. Or I'm sorry, our, our Instagram. No, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I digress. You, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Let's you can up. find us uh, at www.cryocure.com. Yes. Our Instagram is cryocurecannabis, and that's it. That's the best. That's the where we where we usually post most of our stuff we have a lot of great videos and photos on instagram be sure to check that out and uh, a lot of the favorable comments from people too and greg and i don't work traditional hours so give us a call if you have questions on a machine for your facility or just a general consumer question we're we're just that basic we'll talk to anybody that's <laughs> awesome that's good uh, putting a face to a company is huge and i i think you guys are doing some great work out there please keep Thank it up you. keep in touch anyone i could recommend i'm I'm happy of, you know, do an introduction your way. So, um, yeah, and please stay safe. These are crazy times we're having right now. So it stay, is. stay safe, everyone. Yes. And yes. Including us, and I do yeah. hope to see you soon. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Trailblazing with Taramisu. Trailblazers, if you could take one moment and go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and rate and leave a review, it really helps other cannabis supporters find us, and it would mean the world to me. We have new episodes every week, so make sure you're subscribed so you're always getting the latest Trailblazing content. 
I would love to connect and you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter as Blazin Bakery. That's B-L-A-Z-I-N Bakery. Check out BlazinBakery.com for awesome cannabis products, including our new CBD pet line, Blazin Barkery, a company I founded with my dog, Diablo. As always, my name is Tara Masu. Love you all and keep on trailblazing.